and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, and our guest this week is Dr. Janet Taylor. She is a psychiatrist, but most importantly, she is the author of the new book, The Courageous Classroom. We are going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about mental health in general, but uh, but most importantly, how to manage our mental health as, as everything reopens again, as we go back into the real world, so that we come out stronger than we were than we were before, so that we make the changes in our lives that are going to set us up for success. And when it comes to uh, us us being our best, when it comes to us having the kind of mental fortitude uh, and purpose that sustains us. So uh, very excited to bring that to you. Of course, I'm going to give you two quick pieces of intelligence that you guys can uh, do whatever you want. Like share them, you know, uh, memorize them, whatever you got to do. But before we do that, of course, we got to hear from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. This part of Intelligence for Life, the podcast, is presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. All right. Big again thank you to our sponsors. And here we go with some quick pieces of intelligence. I'm very excited about this. Business heating up in the surf industry. For example, Drill Malibu Surf and Skate Southern California has seen demand for new surfboards and lessons quadruple in recent months. And even though uh, the shop had to close at the start of the pandemic, it's on track to have its best sales year ever. And it's not only happening in California, other surf shops in Florida, Texas, Hawaii, New Jersey, they're all reporting a surge in business. New Jersey. The reason? Well, it's partly down to safety because the risk of virus transmission, obviously, is drastically reduced outdoors, especially if you stay at least six feet apart. And that's easy to do if you're surfing. In fact, that's a requirement if you're surfing. You got to stay away from other people so you don't hit them with your board. Love to see that. Grew up surfing. I think it's one of the best ways to get active. It's one of the best ways to get into nature, to get into the waves. Uh, it's an amazing feeling. Cannot recommend that enough. Uh, if you have a chance to even, you know, even wakeboarding on a lake can be, can have a similar experience. But anytime you're around something that's more powerful than you are, like, like waves, I think it's a good thing. And I happen to love it. So uh, there you go. Surfing is seeing a big uptick. And here we go. The best way to break the ice when you're meeting somebody new. Don't start a conversation talking about yourself. Or don't start a conversation talking about the other person. What you got to do is you got to find a third thing. So that could be the book they're holding, the bus you're on, the store you're at. That's according to the book, A Good Talk, The Story and Skill of Conversation. And even if you're commenting on something the other person is, is doing, like, are you drinking the new oat milk latte? What do you think of it? Uh, it's not as invasive because it isn't about the other person. It's about the latte, the oat milk latte. So it's less intimidating. It's, it's better than saying, you know, what do you do? Or who are you? What's your name? So remember, talk about a third thing. You could talk about the, the decor. You could talk about the architecture. Whatever it is, just a third thing. That is the best way to strike up a conversation. So if you're trying to meet somebody new, that's, you know, do that. And then you guys can go surfing together. And you can incorporate both of our pieces of intelligence into your life. All right, folks, here we go. This is it. We're on. Here is my interview with Dr. Janet Taylor. Dr. Janet Taylor, I mean, you, are, you, have, you have an insane resume, but most importantly, you're the author of the new book, The Courageous Classrooms, Creating a Culture of Safety for Students to Learn and Thrive. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So you're a psychiatrist in addition to a number of other like accolades and, and additional research and, and uh, uh, degrees that you've earned, but you're a psychiatrist as your main practice. Uh, and uh, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying this, we kind of need that right now, right? Like we're coming out of a time uh, where where a p- 
people's mental health is a big buzzword right now. And we're, we've, we've been in extreme social isolation for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. On top of that, there, uh, you know, the, the, the stigmas around mental health have never been, have never been more, uh, apparent have never been more uh, a part of the conversation than they are now uh help us get us out of this <laughs> yeah what what should be our number one thing as we go into reopening and as we deal with the trauma we've experienced for the last year and a half yeah well Kim, you you framed it the right way and the fact is our mental health should have always been a huge topic or mm. something that we pay attention to you know as the world health organization says there's no physical health without mental health but looking at what i call the two pandemics certainly covid-19 and you know this racial reckoning and and the reality that individually we are all dealing with something pre-pandemic and certainly through it so what we should be focusing on right now is our brain and the sense of knowing that our brain is our biggest ally during this time it can help us certainly if we self-reflect and use it the right way and figure out what we need to do and it can also help us as we problem solve so if there's anything listeners should focus on is right now asking themselves how am i doing and figuring out what that means in terms of feelings, like where you feel that inside, and then certainly what your thoughts are, and really being able to elevate yourself to wherever you are, except where you are, if you're down, mm-hmm. you know, full of despair, accept that, and then find a way to elevate just a little bit so that you can really get on with this business called life. How do we begin to, I, mean, I think a lot of us are lacking the tools for self-evaluation, right? We, we... Our self-evaluation seems to be, particularly for younger people, you know, people 40 and under right now, the where our self-evaluation means comparing ourselves to what we see other people doing mm-hmm. on social media, which I, you're not the first person to, I'm assuming I know what you're going to say about this, but many of the of the therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists have talked, have talked about how damaging the comparison to social media is. Mm-hmm. And that's been our primary social interaction for about a year and a half. It was already an issue before this. This is sort of mm-hmm. given it steroids. Uh, you know, how, how do you give us tools to begin to self-evaluate with, with a lot of the, mm-hmm. the social unrest, with a lot of the, the changes that we've all experienced over the last year and a half? Like how do, give, give me a, a first step because I think, you know, I'm like yeah. a lot of people, I, I don't even know where to begin with evaluating myself. Right. So the first step is that we do have those tools. And so the key is to pause and take a breath. And, and you're right. I mean, there has been so much. Um, emphasis on things outside of us that we we sometimes forget who's really in control and that is us. So pause and take a breath and ask yourself, like, are you where you want to be? And and just yes or no. And if you are, great. If you're not, then think about where you are, which includes thinking about, you know, how how you were raised, thinking about what your values are, your purpose, what's important to you, and then what you want to get to. And and then in in terms of that, where do you want to get to? We talk this a lot about, you know, identifying a purpose, goals and all those things. And they're all important. But then you have to ask yourself, how do I get in my own way? Mm. So the tools are to pause, to think about what you want, and then think about how you get in your own way. And if you can't do that on your own, then you need a therapist or a coach <laughs> or someone else. But the bottom line is, if you take the time, 
you can do it. But it is about turning off certainly social media, giving yourself, you know, some peace and quiet and finding that time. And a lot of people are afraid to do that. A lot of people, you know, their defense is not to pay attention. Their defense is denial. Their defense is, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. So and so. But that it's enough. If, if nothing else, I think hopefully COVID-19 has, has shown us that we have to be able to tolerate who we are in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the first key is to pause, to reflect, and to just take a deep dive without judgment, but just take a deep dive. Sure. I mean, I feel like so much of our culture is centered around avoidance of the kind of self-reflection that you're talking about, right? It's it is we we medicate uh, we with with you know uh, alcohol and and other substances. We medicate <laughs> mm-hmm. with prescription substances. We distract ourselves with you know uh, television and social media and all mm-hmm. these things in order to avoid that sort of inner looking that you're talking about, that inward perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of us are really bad at it. You know, I think you say we have the tools, but I think we're really bad at it. Well, I, 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 again, I disagree, I, but because 70% of our thoughts are negative conscious right, thoughts. Right, right. And as you're, as you are listening to me, your brain is processing, uh, processing 11 million bits of information per second, only consciously able to be aware of 40 or 50. And so the key is not to, to be aware of certainly what makes us feel good. But when we recognize that we're having this negative thought is to really challenge it. Mm. So avoiding the distraction is not going to come from outside of you. I mean, marketing everything is is right. built upon that right right but i need really to buy this thing to feel better about myself yeah, i need to, to do this better thing. right or delete this photo or whatever right i didn't like that let me delete it and in life we can't delete what has happened to mm-hmm. us so mm-hmm. the reality is what we have to do and i think the wisdom that happens as we get older is we can become at peace at what we did well and what we did wrong and what we choose to learn from in, in terms of how it makes us I, 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 I attract other people or how it makes us when we are forced to be in different situations, what we've learned from it, to take it with us. So we don't have to hold ourselves you know, accountable as much in terms of making ourselves feel guilty all the time right. and less than. Drop that and say, this is where I am now, and I'm going to do something just a little better. So we all have that capacity, every single one of us. I mean, if we didn't, we would not have survived. Sure. If if it if it weren't for that, just wanting something better or that drive to do that. So I think part of the the first the second thing to do is to tell yourself you can't do it because certainly we can. Sure. I I think maybe I miss when I say we're bad at it. What I what I I think we all have inherently have the tools you're describing, right? This ability to self reflect. Uh, a lot of the needs and the sort of you know. Uh, inner brain uh, stimulus response stuff that we react to are, are there for, for our, our survival. I think the issue has been that society writ large has begun to hack that stimulus response element of our brain mm-hmm. and put us into mm-hmm. behavior patterns that are not necessarily good for us and has convinced <laughs> us that the real self-reflection uh, is done through purchasing vacations and purchasing right. products and, and things like that. So, so while I, I, I Maybe I need to refine my language. While I agree with you that we have that tool set, yeah. my concern is that we are very unpracticed in this tool set, that a lot of us don't even know what that no. first step would be. Mm-hmm. And I think um, let's let's take a second and say, okay, we, we do the pause. We self-reflect and we say, holy moly, I have allowed myself to be distracted from who I want to be for a very long mm-hmm. time. Uh, do you have any, and, and, and I know that the process is not linear, right? It is a gradual up and down process. If you want to change, it's always two steps forward, one step back. I get that. 
what is that first step though once you've evaluated your life once you've evaluated like what makes you happy or where where the places that are not ideal for yourself at this moment Mm -hmm. uh what's that first step for for affecting change in our own lives so the the first would be to um establish a sense of purpose right and your purpose is your talent your gifts your values or your intention you know where you want to be and to really look at that not from a chasing pleasure principle but in terms of what is most important to you mm-hmm. and i would argue that sitting home for most of us where we were denied those things that would distract us right. going to the mall or going out to a bar party whatever people have been left alone with themselves and there is a lot of self reflection going on mm-hmm. and the challenge for us is to take it out of our heads and really put it into action. So again, I mean, there's no way around just putting the time in to do that. And not mm-hmm. that it's be a whole day, but at least like dedicate at least 10 minutes to thinking about how I feel, you know, what I'm thinking and what I want. And then if you can identify one, two or three steps, small steps that can get you there, focus on that, and then always be aware of what's going to stop you so that you can also focus on that. I mean, you hit on something really important there, right? We, uh, for vast majority of us, have been stuck inside. The vast majority of us have had, uh, a whole uh, about half of us have had careers that have changed trajectories mm-hmm. because of this. So what better time than now to sit mm-hmm. down, self-reflect, and, and look to, to change certain aspects of our lives mm-hmm. because we need to. And there's no better time mm-hmm. than right now to do it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so Oracle and Workplace Intelligence did a study that showed for almost 90% of employees, 2020 was the worst work year of their lives. Mm. So there's this opportunity to go up, right? How do you want to work remotely? You're going to work differently. All these things that can change that are going to be up to us to individually identify and then put into practice. Who do we need to talk to about it? You know, how do we make sure it happens? But it's up to us to do Mm -hmm. it individually. Mm hmm. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, you, you, you referenced something there. Uh, I think for a lot of people, the idea of working remotely is appealing. You don't have to commute. I mean, for me, I, I, I've enjoyed a lot of working from home in this time. Uh, if you have a family at home, it's, it's great to be able to get that little bit of extra time in the transition periods. Do you think that we can, as a society, particularly white-collar workers, move towards uh, you know, at least a 50% remote world? I, I think people are going to demand it, but understanding for everyone, it hasn't been that great. Right, you know, there right. are people crammed up in, in spaces and people reevaluating themselves, reevaluating relationships. But, but I think what has been found is that we can be productive. But on the other hand, there is a loneliness. People mm-hmm. have recognized that, you know, part of that, you know, whether it's getting coffee or just that having a colleague or doing something, they miss that as well. So I think it's go- going to be about putting those pieces into place. But I think work as we know it will definitely change and and probably for the better. Is the answer that it's just unique to the individual? Like, is it just whatever whatever makes you the most productive? Because I, I hear you. I know a lot of people have really missed the social interaction. They've missed that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for other people, the benefit of not commuting, the benefit of, of making your own hours and being around you know, your loved ones, it was was high enough that they were like, I, mm-hmm. I missed nothing. So is it do you think that the the smartest employers going forward are just going to allow their their employees to be as flexible as possible? I mean, I think they're going to listen and figure it out. I mean, we are individuals, but we're also individuals within systems. So it can't be like, well, this is great for me. I don't know how it's going to work for you, boss, but I'm doing what I want. No, but I think there is a way to negotiate and make it work for everyone. I'm sure there are some systems 
that it, it will not be like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have worked in community health and we changed our clinic in a week going from face to face with under-resourced people, you know, people who I, some of them didn't even have smartphones and I thought this will never work and they found a way to make it work. But now we're going back to this hybrid model. I think we'll always have a telemedicine component, but for most people, there's still something about coming in the office. You know, I worked in Harlem for a lot, a lot many years, 11 years, where some of my patients would say to me, in New York City, like talking to me in my office, I'm the only person they talk to that day, right? Mm-hmm. So you can imagine in rural communities where people are even more isolated, even though they may be amongst people. So I think in some systems like healthcare, especially in psychiatry, we really have to look at making sure that we have groups, making sure we have face-to-face, because there are things that cannot be captured just over a screen. And so I think it's going to be individual system, individual company, but there will be a hybrid model. And for others, you're just going to need to be there. Right, right. I, I, I just wonder, I mean, this is this, now we're getting outside of your area of expertise a little bit. And I, and I just wonder, you know, what are the long-term ramifications for people's careers? And uh, and there, there is a certain culture element to uh, particularly good workplaces, you know, where mm-hmm. you have to, there's a cultural buy-in that has to occur in order for you to fit in with a, with a company. And it'd just be interesting to see how that, how that changes in the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, even before COVID, sorry to interrupt, but even before COVID, there are certainly less demands for people to be there right. and more there's, you know, systems are changing anyway. So right. it, is it going to make people reevaluate and also panic a little mm-hmm. bit about not being needed? Probably. Um, so I, I think it's a time again to be creative and, and not to focus on what's external to you, but think about what mm-hmm. you need. Think about your own skills in an honest, truthful way. And if you need to shore up something with some sort of certification or you even go back to school or do something, then maybe this is the time to do that. You know, that brings up, actually, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about school, how we can support our kids as we make this transition. Uh, because, you, you know, you talk about these systems writ large, but that's a system that has, you know, never really, I mean, for a very small mm-hmm. percentage has been remote for the vast majority of people has been in person. Uh, and how mm-hmm. that, you know, how that how that's going to look going forward. So uh, real quick ba- break, we're gonna talk about schooling. When we come back with Dr. Janet Taylor. Dr. Taylor, we were uh, right before the break. We we're just talking about uh, about school, and so I, I know for my kids, they they did remote learning for a year. Uh, it was mm-hmm. it, depending on the personality of my children, some thrived and others not so much. I've talked to other people, particularly high school uh, parents of high school kids, who have said it was a lost year mm-hmm. that um, that the social development that was missed out was uh, missed out on was. Uh, so significant that it was that any academic gains were were negligible. Uh, mm-hmm. How are we supposed to support our kids as as some of them go back to in person learning? How are we supposed to make up for those losses? Uh, particularly, I mean, I think the well resourced families are are going to be fine. I think particularly mm-hmm. the the middle and low income families that perhaps couldn't afford tutors can't afford those extra resources that help catch up kids in a more traditional sense. Yeah, no, I I think that the way to look at it certainly is to talk to your kid, your child, you know, your family and see how they're feeling, look at their grades. But for many, I, I've seen estimates to say for almost 70 percent of our school age children, it has been a lost year. Mm-hmm. And does that mean that, you know, there needs to be more reinforcement in some cases, maybe kids need to, to change, take the year over. But I think it's a time to certainly have patience with our children because 
whatever we were going through as adults doing all mm-hmm. this, they were going through it and not able to express it as much. So, you know, a lot of kids had anxiety before this. And certainly that social anxiety and getting back is something to really look at. So it's it's really time to spend some face-to-face time with your ch- kids and your family. Ask them how they're doing. You know, take whatever standardized test or whatever homework, whatever grades they got seriously. Look at ways to certainly shore up. We know that for kids who read 10 books over the summer, it doesn't matter what kind of books, it helps them going into the school year. Mm. So certainly in- encourage that. Um, and, and see what you can do to make them ready and confident. But this next year coming up, kids still have anxiety about being exposed to COVID-19, mm-hmm. their teachers. So that anxiety is certainly going to be there. We know anxiety gets in the way of learning. Right. It gets in the way of focus. So after school, I would say parents need to find rituals to help their kids kind of relax and be able to focus and and do homework, um, talk to them, and create environments that are as stress-free as possible. Knowing that conflicts come up, but find different ways to handle them because everyone is going to be experiencing something differently um, when the school year starts, and it's gonna be a time to really process in a way that doesn't blame our kids, but really supports them so that we can teach them how to adapt Mm. in uncertain situations. You know, you, you bring up rituals, which is something that you're not the first person that I've heard mention that about the benefits of that. I mean, even we've we've quoted studies about how uh, f- how much better students do with, uh, if they're in a family that has dinner together every single night that like mm-hmm. sits down and has dinner. The benefits that that has, uh, I think for a lot of people that actually that ritual came back a lot during mm-hmm. during quarantine. Um, but new rituals have formed. And, and those rituals are going to get broken and changed again. Uh, so we're going to have an opportunity to create new rituals as things open up. What do you think is like a number one consideration for families and, and just for individuals when it comes to, those, to reestablishing those rituals so that we can move forward in, in the healthiest way? So the number one is to check in with your kids and your family and said, you know, like, this has been like an unusual time, but what worked for you? Mm -hmm. Wasn't the fact that we sat down and had dinner knowing, you know, with commute, that may not happen. And Mm -hmm. so it may not be dinner, but it may may just be sitting down at least once a week or on the weekend where you just put away everything and say, how are you? What was good this week for you? What was bad? What's troubling you? What's not? And really check in in that way. And and for most kids, that face-to-face time is so invaluable because Mm -hmm. our kids crave it. Um, And so really checking in on that way and just saying like that there are one or two things that we could keep going on. What are they? And then finding ways to reestablish them. And the main thing is just to let our kids know that no matter what, we are there for them. Mm. If they're having trouble at school, if they're being bullied, if it's hard or they feel nervous, tell us. And we will listen to them and try to find a way to make it better for them. And it doesn't mean that parents have to change a situation or take their kid out of it. It really is about teaching our children how to adapt to difficult times and difficult experiences in ways that don't make them retreat, but but really, you know, tap into that that wizard brain, that frontal cortex that so they can not hide and run away, but deal with whatever they need to. And so communication is key, feeling safe is key within the home and outside mm-hmm. the home, and then just being patient and giving our kids time to adjust. Uh, the frustrating thing about what you're presenting here today is that there mm-hmm. are no shortcuts, right? Like you're talking mm-hmm. about things that have are tried and true uh, I, uh, concepts that we have embraced for, for years and that we are trying to find shortcuts around. So you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, self-reflection, right? Which we've, mm-hmm. we try, we, we have practiced avoiding. You're talking about 
time and intentionality with your family, mm-hmm. which is another thing that people are like, well, I, you know, I, I don't have time for that kind of intentionality. Mm-hmm. But these are things just literally just talking to your kids, being reflective of yourself, putting the screens down for a little bit and engaging with the people mm-hmm. around you. That is what I'm hearing you say that that's number one. And there are no shortcuts to right. that, right? I mean, and that just like there are no shortcuts to us understanding ourselves and putting in the time and work. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing or anyone outside of us that can really do what we need to do to have us have a healthy sure. self-concept, to have us get over the trauma that we need to get over. Like right. all that pain, that's the work that we have to do. And, and there's no way around it. And people who avoid it just carry it. Like it's a load, but you can unload it by dealing with it. And again, if you need to talk to a professional, do that. Mm-hmm. But just thinking about it and, and doing some simple problem solving about your own life works wonders. Yeah. I mean, look, again, like you said, there, there's no shortcuts and, and and you do have to, you just have to, you have to lean into this stuff. Uh, I, I think I think about my own schooling experience and I, I jokingly have said, because I know some people are in this boat, second semester of my senior year and freshman year of college developed like 90% of my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of kids. I mean, there are kids for whom that was the time that they lost in this period. Mm-hmm. Higher education, mm-hmm. you know, is is having to rethink their model. Uh, yeah. The cost benefit analysis of higher education is is very different now than it was even 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And this idea of learning online, what are we losing by moving into, I think you're going to see a lot of colleges do online courses going mm-hmm. forward. What are we losing from that? Well, it, it, in my opinion, what we're losing again is that face-to-face and the ability to to learn from other people. There, we learn from hearing what people say, looking at you know reactions, the nonverbal communication, and also getting an immediate reaction to something we say or do or don't do. Mm. So I I think that's kind of what we're missing. And, and but I, there will be opportunities to recreate that, whether it's you know you're learning online but you meet face to face in something, or even in Zoom, like insisting people keep their cameras on, participate in all those other factors. But really, it's it's that that what happens from being part of a tribe, so to speak, that those cues that we take and learn mm-hmm. from other people that we're really missing. Because I think a lot of people have also felt like they are okay being alone. But the reality right. is, there's nothing that we do alone. Right. And you know, as human beings, we still need that connection from other people, and we still need to interact with people who have a different ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity. We need to interact with those people and and see them face to face, expand our world. And so that danger is, you know, as as much as we're you know trying to be more open and learn, there's something that just you cannot satisfy in terms of you miss from being in the company of people who didn't grow up like you don't look like you there's something that you miss from that and so i think that's also a big part of learning that happens when you are in high school and make that transition to college how to get along with people who didn't grow up in your household or your zip code and so how do we recreate that so that people are not afraid of people who are other right right i think what online has done which i think there's so many great things like the fact that people have been able to do school on Zoom, the fact that we're able to, while we're alone, FaceTime or Skype or Zoom with people with old friends and other people I've connected to that are across the country that I uh, re- reconnected with over this period that I, I wouldn't have had we had things not been locked down and all of our social interactions be online. So that's great. But uh, we're mm-hmm. seeing, like we talked about earlier, social media creating this sort of comparison culture, social media uh, giving us a feeling of being less than and these ersatz interactions that we think of, like our brain gets tickled in the right way that says, oh, I had an interaction with a person, but it doesn't actually 
get that whole brain thing that you're talking about. It's also allowed mm-hmm. us, ourselves, uh, us, ourselves to cloister ourselves, right? And sort of say, okay, I'm going to find a, an echo chamber of people that think like I do, that look like mm-hmm. I do, that, that see these same things. Uh, is that undoable? Or does that gonna, is that like is that entropy? Do we have to exert force into this part of the world, or this part of ourselves, in order to get to that expansion? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really anything undoable, but it is about awareness mm-hmm. and being willing to step into feeling different. Because what happens when we're faced with other is our brains like danger, 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 mm-hmm. and pushing through that requires some interest, some commitment, some trust, some dedication from us. So certainly being aware of that and being unwilling to be uncomfortably uncomfortable. And so we can we can do that. But it really has to be kind of a will, as you mentioned, a a force that that is really about awareness. And and so that, in my opinion, is kind of what's going to change um, not necessarily the world, but us getting outside of our right. little, you know, boxes, if you will, is really yeah. the knowledge that that needs to happen. I mean, you know, you, you, you're you saying it over and over again, Dr. Taylor, is like it's it's this hard work of self-reflection, it, it, this this allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable, which it's all comes from the same place. Like, I think we are addicted to we live in the most comfortable time in the history of the world. Like we we can set the temperature of the room we're in within a degree like that's that's mind blowing to somebody who was born even a hundred years ago. Like, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, we, we live in, in just incredible comfort and, and we are programmed to seek comfort. I mean that you talked about the lizard brain before we we want to move mm-hmm. towards comfort if, because we want to go, mm-hmm. if this is too cold, I got to get to warm these people or other, mm-hmm. I got to get with my tribe. Uh, so what you're asking us to do is something that sort of breaks that lizard brain a little bit and move towards a little bit of discomfort so that we can learn to be comfortable there. Is that what you're saying? Well, there's no question, because even though we do have all these comforts to a person, we are more stressed than ever. Right. Um, right, You know, people are more anxious and and our physical health is still suffering. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be enough that we can reach for those things that make us, you know, bring us pleasure, make us feel better. What's you know, we have to ask ourselves what's missing and what's missing is that emotional intelligence piece where we are self aware and they extend that to other people, you know, have empathy and take action. It's really not that complicated. Is it work? Yes. Is it complicated? No, but we just have to be willing and, and, and really uh, engage enough and care enough about ourselves and other people to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I, I love this idea that, that it's simple, but, but hard. Right. I mean, and I think we, we all know, uh, we all know what we have to do. The book, The Courageous Classrooms, Creating a Culture of Safety for Students to Learn and Thrive. Link to where to buy it in the show notes if you want to go deeper with Dr. Taylor. Dr. Taylor, I know your time is valuable. I'm going to wrap us up here. I'm going to ask you two last things. One is, aside from buying the book, how can people follow up with you? So they can go to my website, uh, www.drjanettaylor.com, and then look for me on TV shows, reach out. And um, just my my plea, you know, my wish is for people just to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And part of that, again, is not doing something, you know, that you buy, but just take care, realize what you need and yeah. then just do it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's two pieces of that. One is the self-reflection to realize what you need and the willpower to do it. I mean, those, that, those are the two pieces that just, that you can't short that out. You got to do the work on that. One last question, Dr. Taylor, and I ask it to everybody, what is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better. 
The one thing that everyone can do today that will make your life better is to exercise, just not go, you don't have to necessarily go to the gym, but get your heart rate going. Because when we exercise, you get blood flow to your brain. Mm -hmm. And our brain, again, is our biggest ally during this time. It's 2% of our body weight utilizes 25% of our blood glucose and oxygen. And it can really help us when we are feeling just, you know, in despair or, or feel like we're out of control reflecting on things, making decisions, understanding how for many people who've pushed through, like we can do this, like we can get this through this life. Yeah, we can. Dr. Janet Taylor, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Please tell your friends. It helps us out so much. Uh, folks, if you want to follow up with us, you can follow up with me. I'm Gib Gerard at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. Or you can find us at Facebook.com slash John Tesh. Going live there all the time, hanging out, talking to y'all. I don't say y'all. I don't know why I'm pretending I say y'all. Anyway, folks, that is it for our show today. Uh, I try to respond to every DM that we mention the show because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. 